For this episode of Honey, You Should Watch This, Greg had me watch 1982's First Blood. And the moral of the story is, if John Rambo comes to your town looking for something to eat, let the guy have some burgers and fries, for God's sake. Hell, buy him a peanut butter parfait. You'll be better off in the long run. God damn it. Are you referring to the gratuitous Dairy Queen sign shots in the, in the movies? That would <laughs> and the millions of gas stations. Yes, I don't. I, th- I don't think they had peanut butter f- barfays back then. The technology was far too. Oh advanced. no, but per, they didn't have blizzards back then. The tar- technology was far too advanced. But they were peanut butter parfaits ever since I was knee high to a, you know. We've always had blizzards. No, God. blizzards were like a technological wonder. I don't know that we even had. We did have a Dairy Queen close to us down here. I think. See, our Dairy Queens were only open in the summertime. Duh. It really sucked. Oh, it sucked. Well, who wants who wants ice cream when there's nine feet of snow on the ground? <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome. It's just us this week. Yeah, just the two of us. You're probably bummed about that. Maybe. I know that we are. <laughs> oh, hey. Constantly, constantly. I, I, I can't tell you how often I hear, God, if I could just get someone different to do the podcast with. I do not say that. I'm sorry, that, honey. liar face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of feel bad making jokes about this movie because this film is just not what I expected in terms of what it was trying to say. And uh, so I'm, I'm kind of on the fence here morally. Now you can make you can make jokes about it if you want. I don't there's no reason to make jokes about a, a movie that should have been best picture, but you know whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't even know what was best picture that year, but it didn't deserve it. <laughs> I don't know. It was it was weird. It was like a weird combination of what felt like a 70s film but it had that 80s pastiche to it. It was just very strange to me. <laughs> Pastiche? Yes. Is that a fabric? No, it's not a fabric. It's a style. Oh. It's a style of a contemporary era. Oh. Well, you kind of yeah. were stuck in that that transition still because this was released in 82. I think it was filmed in 81. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, you could tell even by the song at the close that we still didn't even know what type of music we wanted at that time. So <laughs> it was it was early 80s. So we, we'll have to give them a pass. But a pass. But um you know, why don't you go ahead and ask me the question you're supposed to ask me first? I there. will ask you the question. Um, why did you have me watch this? I think I would that, say make, but you know, that's a little heavy handed, so go ahead. No, no, I <laughs> I mean I'm I'm so sorry that I picked a movie for the podcast to, for you to watch movies that you've never seen no, before that's that you had never seen. I, I'll make sure that I pick something that you're familiar with for the no, next time. No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. I, just, I, I just thought that this is I mean, this is kind of an action movie, but it's not an action movie. It kind of started, it, it was right at the realm of that 80s action genre, but it was, it was like you said, more along the lines of like a deer hunter or um, those those like 70s style, the Vietnam flashback retro type things. Yeah, it was like deer hunter meets Halloween meets taxi driver meets 
I, yeah, I can't think of a fourth with, one with a little with a little more sympathy for the for the you know the antihero. An, yeah, I I also think that this is a just it, it's an awesome movie. I mean, even though it is an action movie and it's a little ridiculous to believe at times, it doesn't it doesn't go so far out of the realm that you're like, oh come on, a thousand times. I mean, really, in that movie, there's like twice that I'm like oh, bullshit, <laughs> but um, it just I. I think it's. I just think it's a really good movie. Personally, it, it doesn't matter that it was an action movie. It was just. I thought it was well made. And when you hear a lot of the stuff about it, you'll be surprised. Oh yeah, I've, I've done done a little bit of research too. I, I there's only two words that came to my head while we were watching it, and that was property damage. But. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's that's what action movies are. I mean, I just watched Demolition Man two days ago. If we want to talk about property damage, <laughs> <laughs> what 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 were you expecting? You said this was different. I was well. I you've always heard of Rambo, and you always see the the images of him. You know, with the what do you call it when you've got the strap of bullets around your a a a, a bandolier. A bandolier. I of wanted bullets. to say, I wanted to say a gondolier, but those are only in Venice. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that would be weird to wear, right? Yeah. Um. So him with the the bullets and the gun, and and of course the headband. You know. Uh, and so I would thought, you know, okay, this is like going to be taken place during a war type scenario, right? Not, not on, on U.S. soil, mm-hmm. um, not, not at all what this movie was. It just completely different. And I kept waiting because I'm like, is he going to get transported somewhere? What's going on? And then I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I had no idea. Uh, I think. Um... The the well he does have the bandoliers on at a time at the end when he's running with the M sixty when he's running through the town he does have the the bandoliers mm-hmm. strapped around him you know crisscross applesauce yeah. like you know <laughs> on his chest and stuff, um, but it's not yeah this wasn't like a war movie it's not like two and three, um, it it is it's different but I it. I, there's also, I think, there's also a reason that it was different, and that's because a lot of people don't know the behind the scenes of what was actually supposed to go down. Um, so why don't you do the the synopsis, and we'll get right into it. Okay. Um, so 1982's First Blood. Um, this film is based on the 1972 novel of the same name by David Morrell. In the film, Rambo, a troubled and misunderstood veteran, must rely on his combat and survival senses against the abusive law law enforcement of the small town of ironically named Hope, Washington. John Rambo is a Vietnam veteran, and he goes looking for his last surviving member of his platoon, only to find out he had died of cancer due to Agent Orange. As he moves along into the town, he is mistaken by Sheriff John Teasel as a drifter and is promptly escorted out of town. As Rambo heads back into Hope, Teasel arrests him and in, due to abusive handling by the deputies who are led by Deputy Galt, uh, his tra- uh, flashbacks of Vietnam uh, and time in a, uh, pris- as a prisoner of war uh, cause him to go into survival mode and his elite training kicks in. Uh, Rambo overwhelms the patrolman, regains his knife, and fights his way out of the police station before stealing a motorcycle and fleeing into the woods. Teasel organizes a search party with automatic weapons, dogs, and a helicopter. Uh, Having spotted Rambo attempting to climb down a cliff over a creek, Galt defies orders from Teasel and attempts to shoot Rambo from the helicopter. Rambo leaps from the cliff, landing into a tree. 
and injuring himself in the process. With Galt still trying to shoot at him, Rambo manages to throw a rock, fracturing the helicopter's windshield and causing the pilot to briefly lose control, resulting in Galt, who had removed his safety harness in order to get a better shot, taking a fatal plunge into the jagged rocks below. Sorry. Uh, When it is revealed that Rambo is a former Green Beret and received the Medal of Honor, Teasel rejects that knowledge and is still bent on revenge. He refuses to turn the manhunt over to the state police, and one by one, using guerrilla attacks, Rambo non-lethally disables the deputies using both booby traps and his bare hands until only Teasel is left. Overpowering Teasel and holding his knife to his throat, Rambo tells him that he could have killed him, and threatens to give him a war he won't believe if Teasel does not let him go. Teasel, which rhymes with weasel, does not. (laughs) The state police and the National Guard are called in to assist in the manhunt, while Rambo's mentor and former commanding officer, Colonel Sam Troutman, also arrives. Troutman confirms that Rambo is an expert at guerrilla warfare and survival, which he has honed in an intensive combat in Vietnam, As such, he advises and suggests that Rambo be allowed to slip through the perimeter and escape to the next town, diffusing the situation, and then be permitted to surrender peacefully later. Confident that Rambo is hopelessly outnumbered, Teasel refuses, but Teasel allows Troutman to contact Rambo on a police radio he stole while escaping. He tries to persuade him into surrendering peacefully. Rambo recognizes Troutman's voice, but refuses to give up, condemning Teasel and his deputies for their abuse and noting that they drew first blood. Uh, The National Guard detachment corners Rambo in the entrance of an abandoned mine, and against orders, they use a rocket, collapsing the entrance and seemingly killing Rambo. But Rambo survives and takes the war to hope, blowing and shooting shit up and ruining Christmas for a lot of people. That's not true. <laughs> Think of the money. Think of the money that was pumped into that economy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the film stars Sylvester Stallone as Rambo, Richard Carena as Troutman, Brian Dennehy, the late great Brian Dennehy, as Teasel, and Jack Garrett as Galt. And we also get a little baby David Caruso as Mitch, um, the only one in the force that has a little bit of empathy for Rambo. Yep. All right. Um, yeah. So, where do you want to start? I don't, like, well, what I, I the book, uh, David Morrell wrote the book because he was teaching, he was a college professor, um, and he had several Vietnam veterans who had returned in his classes and a lot of them would push back on him always why should why should we listen to you you know we were over there risking our lives and and uh basically kind of having this attitude that he didn't understand so he would listen and talk to these students after classes and basically took a lot of what he heard and then transferred it into this fictional story um so it was very surprising to me that this was not about just some guy blowing shit up. This is about the way that Vietnam veterans were treated mm-hmm. after they returned home from well, service. The movie was. The book was not. Okay, the, yeah. The, the book portrays him as a little bit more of a psychopath than, mm-hmm. than the movie. There were 26 scripts of the movie 
before Stallone got a hold of it. And when he wrote it, he had three redrafts, and he immediately made the John Rambo character more sympathetic. Because mm-hmm. and, and it's probably a good move. It probably plays better in the in the movie than than just some guy who goes off the rails. I mean, because then you're just dealing with a Michael Myers or you know, yeah. a, a Jason Voorhees, something like that. The original script, I think, had him killing about 18 people, and he killed every one of the cops. And in the in the, in the book, in the original script, yes. yeah. And so Stallone said, "Well, what if he doesn't kill anybody?" And, and do you know what the body count in this movie is? Uh, one and three dogs. Well, dogs don't count. <laughs> dogs don't count. They have to count to somebody. <laughs> no. no. Yeah, you're right. Just one, and he didn't actually kill him. That was just Galt being silly. So mm-hmm. you're, you're right. The, the guy, they did, they did change this, but he, it was written with that in mind, which is actually kind of surprising because this was written in 72, mm-hmm. and that, I mean, the war wasn't even really over yet. We weren't even, like, dealing fully, because I think it was 75 or 76 that we pulled out of Saigon. I, I think I can't remember. I think it was might have been seventy five. Anyway, that was something I did not know about the guy, but I knew that he had talked to a bunch of different people. I didn't know he was a teacher. Mm. Yeah, and uh, he. It, it's funny too because this this treatment of the script because this is like one of the, I guess the one of the most optioned scripts in Hollywood, and Warner Brothers had originally picked it up after it had been published, but then kind of held off on it for a while, and they had even tapped the director who directed the 82 version originally to do this, to do the script or, and um, they just kind of felt it was like, there's a little too much in terms of Vietnam going on right now. And they didn't want to, they didn't want to kind of risk having the script out there. The script, I believe um, when Stallone originally agreed to do this, because he was their first choice. No, that's what the director said. That was that director's first choice. Yeah, that director. That was not the studio's first choice. Right, but it was okay. the director's first choice. And then Stallone kind of looked at the script, and then he kind of backed out of it. He didn't feel good so about it, so they hired him to kind of help the writers reduce the script. The script, I guess, was originally like three It was a three-hour-long movie, and Stallone's like, yeah, no way. <laughs> okay. He, the, he shouldn't talk this much. This the, is The story there was the original cut of the movie was three hours and 13 minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. And Stallone hated himself. He, he did not think that he acted very well in the movie. And it was also a period where he had done Rocky and Rocky II, but his other movies had bombed. They were flops. So he knew that he kind of had to do something a little different. Then they, they edited it down to an... Uh, in fact, when he, first, when he saw the original cut, of the three hours and whatever minutes, he offered to buy the cut from the studio so that he could destroy it. He did not want it made public at all hmm. they cut it down to an hour and 33 minutes and he's like okay because he felt like the focusing on him too much and not being a stellar actor mm-hmm. he, he couldn't stand the way he looked on screen he was he was really happy with the way it did plus if you if when you watch this movie it's kind of surprising how little john rambo's actually in it mm-hmm. he's only in i mean yes like the last half of the movie but there's a lot of development between the different uh, uh, police uh, characters and Troutman and uh, Teasel and and the National Guards and all the stuff's going on, he's not in it as much as you would think he is. As as you know, opposed to Rambo uh, two, to Rambo First Blood two and Rambo three and four and five, I mean, he's in like every scene. So it's 
but that was that was what happened. He he wanted to destroy it. He did not mm-hmm. even want to see the light of day. Well, I think that the 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 choice to to cut it down and and not have Rambo speak as much made him more frightening, powerful, enigmatic, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. very Mike Myers, right? Very very <laughs> Michael Myers. Very quiet. Yeah, very quiet. Um, damaged. Um, was a, a good choice. Um, yes, I, I think even when Stallone delivers some lines, they they don't come out as delivered as, as what, or as seriously sometimes because of the way he's got that slur in his voice. And Do you know what I did not know about Sylvester Stallone until this? As big a Stallone fan as I am, that slur mm-hmm. is caused by a mishap at birth, and he had um, nerve damage. So he's had that like his whole life, but everybody makes order because dogs like this. I mean, there's not much he can yeah, do. It's almost like a permanent Bell's it, palsy. It, it, kind that's of exactly a, yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did not know that. Um, well, if you look back at some of those biopics, not biopics, massive Vietnam War movies like The Deer Hunter, which I have never seen, I want to see it, but I, I've, it's just always it's never a movie that pops into my head when I sit down. I don't watch a movie today. Those movies are epics. They're like The Godfather. They're like three hours long. This movie, to me, kind of set the stage for the 80s action movie because mm-hmm. it took the action movie, and instead of it being a three-hour whatever, it's like, all right, here's two guys. Shit's going to blow up. See you, <laughs> see you in 90 minutes. <laughs> uh, uh, I also think that if you'd have made this three hours long, it probably would have been boring. Right. It would have been a little boring to me because the movie, I think, is very well-paced. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll say it right now. I think this is the best movie of the Rambo series. It's not my favorite, but it's the best movie. And the and my favorite is Rambo two. Rambo. Okay, there's 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 First Blood, and then there's Rambo First Blood Part two, and then there's Rambo three. So I don't know where they I don't know where Rambo two went. It was weird, but I've always liked Rambo First Blood Part two just because, just because it's ridiculous. But it's fun. This one's the most realistic. But I think this is the best movie of the of the series. I think if you go three hours, it just that means you're spending probably another fifteen or twenty minutes with him in the cave. You're mm-hmm. spending another twenty, twenty five, thirty minutes with the dialogue back and forth between Teasel and 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 even though it was it was it got the job done. I don't need I don't need forty five minutes of dialogue between Teasel and and. Um, Richard Richard Credit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it just wasn't. It's not like you're not like the Godfather where you're you're setting all this mm-hmm. up. It's like we know what's going on. So well, I mean, it's it, there are three very distinct sections of the film, and it's very simply set up. Right, you first are introduced to John Rambo, and he slowly but intensely starts to get triggered. Mm-hmm. Right, so that's your first half. Then he's on the defense, and then he's on the attack. That's basically if you want to break it down simply he's that's how the film's structured right yeah um what i found interesting is um there is a youtube channel called story drive and it talks about um first blood and they have a video on first blood and I'll, i'll put a link to it in the show notes um but they basically have this film and have are kind of analyzing it and they basically are saying that teasel and rambo reflect two generations of veterans 
because Teasel's a veteran uh-huh. uh, as well. But there's a contrast in how Teasel views Rambo. Okay, because Teasel was probably treated very differently when he came home from war than how John Rambo is. Um, therefore, he doesn't have any insight um, into what, you know, there's no empathy, there's no respect or sympathy for what he's gone through, even though the deputies see that he's got scars from being whipped and cut and, and everything in the, in the POW camps, there's no sense of sympathy except for, you know, the David Caruso character. Um, and that's basically just Teasel kind of represents the United States to okay. these veterans. So, what was left out of the movie that was in the book mm-hmm. is Teasel was in the book. He was a Marine who was part of the Korean War, mm-hmm. and he was highly highly decorated in in the book. and And there is a scene in the movie that I pointed it out to you mm-hmm. that he, after they think they've blown John up in the cave, he comes back to his office and he sits down at his desk and he kind of puts his hands over his eyes and like leans back in his chairs. If you pause it and look at to the left of him, right. looking at the screen, his right, there's a, a like a shadow box there that has his three medals on it. One was a purple heart. One was the uh, just just they were they were up there. They weren't Medal of Honor. But in the book, he was a Marine, and supposedly took place at the Battle of the Chosen Reservoir, which you know as as Marines we know we call it, it's called the Frozen Chosen, and he was angry that Vietnam veterans at the beginning of the 80s were starting to get all this recognition about all the shit that they had went through and Korean veterans had just literally been forgotten about. Okay, so and that's he, that's completely different than com- yeah, right. what the what the film is. Right. And that's and that's what the this that was coming from the the author as well. It was in there because no cop no cop is going to have that type of uh, callousness he, yeah callousness is the right word um unless he's like a racist or a sexist or something like that you know what i mean it, it, it sounds stupid to say but no white cop in washington is going to drive down the street and see a white guy walking down the street and just instantly hate him just because he, i mean he, he he knows he's not from the town because you they, they set up that he knows everybody in the town by name right but it could have been hey what's going on you know oh i'm just kind of passing through town i'm because he's well hey how about we get you something to eat and then I'll give you a ride wherever you want to go. It would be something along those lines. It wouldn't be like, fuck you, you can't have shit to eat. I mean, that's because that's basically well, what he was saying. I, I mean, even when he realizes that he's a fellow veteran, it's just the the motivation behind Teasel is just very confusing. You yes. know, other than the fact that he busted up his um, police headquarters. But <laughs> yeah, but they don't, but, but they don't, but the, I mean, this is literally like the second scene of the movie where mm-hmm. these two are bashing heads and he's just walking down the street. So, I think that that was something that they could have added, maybe given a little motivation there, but it wasn't like he was walking down the street, you know, flipping people off. He wasn't robbing a liquor no, store or anything. No. He was just walking. That was where that motivation came from. Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand that um, one, given uh, Stallone's performance, um, he's a, a, he's always very formidable looking guy, right? Yeah. Um, he wasn't all that scruffy. He wasn't hippie level scruffy. Um, however, he is, you know, slowly kind of getting into the point because when he finds out that his platoon mate is, had died of Agent Orange, now he realizes I'm alone. Um, so he's starting to get 
into this mindset. He's probably always had a little bit of, you know, PTSD um, from his experiences. So he's, you know, he's not exactly like, yes, sir. Yes, officer. You know, that kind of thing. He's right. very, he's very, very much keeps to himself, which kind of puts, puts Teasel on alert. But the, the hatred is not clear it's hard it's hard to grasp from the in the movie Mm -hmm. totally understood and sometimes you can cut too much out of a movie and i think that Mm -hmm. that's something that they should have put in there they should have you know there should have been something like that now the the um, the backstory on galt Mm -hmm. in in the in the in the in the right because we get absolutely no motivations for galt whatsoever he's just a jerk the the backstory on him is that he has not been a police officer that long that he's had um Two, he's had like two DUIs. He's been arrested for um, uh, assault and battery. Um, he's just he's been this guy who's just kind of been a piece of shit. And the only way that he was able to turn his life around is because he was given the opportunity by Teasel, who was his friend as a, as a kid, to be a police officer and kind of rose through the ranks because you know he's my buddy. That, that situation, I think, um, I, I think it's a little silly. The way that they do the processing, but they I, they also had to. I also understand that they had to set that up that way. You know what I mean? Um, the, you're right. Caruso was the only character that seemed to acknowledge that he had some some issue, but also there's they're they're not they're not going to do that. They, they just not that's just not the way it works. Maybe it did back in the early '80s. I don't know. Maybe it was okay to take the guy into the jail and beat the shit out of him until he gave you his fingerprints. Maybe close them down. Yeah, with a fire hose. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I yeah, that was go, maybe going a little bit too far. But on the other hand, too, they had to they had to they had to recreate the prison the, the POW camp so mm-hmm. that he could snap and and become who he was. So, but yeah, the, the, those two that was that was not well developed. Fair enough, but I mean, there's a lot of stuff in action movies that aren't well developed. We're not going for Oscars here, except for Best Picture. <laughs> well, the way that Stallone characterized John Rambo in an interview, he basically said this is kind of the first super soldier declaring war on his own country. As far as a little bit the anti here, that's well, that's what Stallone said. So yep. I'm going to go with Stallone on this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean. Because it is very, it, it that's the alarming part of this movie. It's like, holy shit, you know. <laughs> well, it's just, I mean, at that point, I think that he was just, he was, he went, he kicked into survival mode. Is is what happened there? He he, you know, they were beating the shit out of him. Uh, they were they're smacking him around. He he flipped out because he thought they were going to cut him. I mean, when you when you see when you see a guy like that with that many scars on him, you got to be smart enough to not get a straight razor out. I mean, why are we using a straight razor? Give the guy give. I mean, you could have given him a bic and some shaving cream and said, "Hey, we need you to shave." Why? You know what I mean? Why are you shaving? That, right. That kind right. of. So in the book, when he in the book when he escapes from the police station, he's naked. He's got nothing on. So I mean, at least they saved us from that. <laughs> <laughs> but he 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 goes into That's survival. That's kind of hard to drive a motorcycle with nothing protecting your. Uh, yeah, I don't. Jiggly I don't, parts. I don't know if he. I, I, I they say, I read it somewhere where it says what happened, but I can't remember how they. I might I might have to go back and read this book at this point just just because to to see the difference. But um, he he tries to disappear. I mean, he runs into the woods mm-hmm. and 
they could have just said, you know what? Troutman said it. You could have just let him go, and they would have picked him up somewhere at a car wash or something trying to get a job. You, you could have, because he he wasn't violent towards them. He wasn't like trying to hunt him down. He was running. So I don't think what Stallone said is 100% correct. I don't think he was declaring war on his country. I think he was declaring war on Teasel. Because mm-hmm. he told Teasel, leave me alone. We'll just we'll just call it a day, and I'll go our separate ways. But you know, I mean, well, that that goes back to the the subtext of Teasel representing. Okay, fair enough. How, how U.S. Um, treated these these Vietnam veterans? Um, a lot of wasted money in the decisions made in this film. Oh yeah, <laughs> a lot of wasted money. Well, look, if they... there's one thing our government's good at, it's pissing money away. <laughs> so, and it's it's you know Teasel's ego, you know, kind of you know propels that too, as far as. Well, you know, I think I think that's it too. I think that he's probably at that point he's just pissed off because he allowed him to escape from his jail, and then he couldn't catch him uh, when he was chasing him, and you know, blah 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 blah, you know, and it just, you know, yeah. And then, then the you know, and well, we'll I'll save it for later for the I have questions, but okay, it's, it's a it's a general thing, but um, again, I mean, there's there's. There's a lot to this movie, and then there's not a lot to this movie. It's a simple film, but there's a lot of shit that goes on. There is. Uh, it's crazy. Um, I don't know in in your research if you learned about who the first choice for Troutman was. Yes, it was. Uh, it was Kirk Douglas. Yes. Yeah. Do you know why that he was not in the movie? Yeah, because yeah, he wanted to change the script drastically. He wanted Rambo to die at the end. Well, he well that they, was the key. They did shoot it with Rambo dying at the end twice. Um, there's two. There's two endings to this movie that nobody has. That they, I guess they're on the. Go ahead. Well, anyway, um, he want, but there were other things he wanted to change to the script drastically. He had no script approval in his contract, but he showed up and had the whole damn thing rewritten. And they were kind of like, "Dude, yeah, like, who the fuck are you?" Bro? And they were really depending on him because he had the clout to make this movie. What it was, um, Stallone, uh, he basically said that the main argument between Stallone and Douglas was is, is Stallone's like, I don't like this message because this message is going to tell people who are Vietnam veterans that the only way out yeah. is death. And I don't think that, that it should be. And, and Douglas was like, but this is the more artistic ending. And... At the point where the documentary was made, when they were t- talking to the producers, the directors, Stallone and and, and Krenna, um, he said that Douglas continues to say to him, he admits that he would have cost Stallone millions of dollars if they had gone with his ending. He said it still would have been a more artistic ending, but you would have lost out on a lot of money. Oh, yeah. The studios would have yeah. lost out on a lot of money, too. So, okay. So, I had... Um, I had First, First Blood, Rambo, and, and Rambo 3 on uh, a mix of DVD and Blu-ray. And I bought the the five-pack after Ran- the, the Rambo Last Blood came out of, blue, of, of Blu-rays. Um, apparently on the director's cut, or, or on the special bonus scenes of First Blood, if you buy the Blu-ray, I guess it's not in the, the, the pack, unfortunately. They have the two alternate endings. Okay, The first alternate ending is that... Rambo is going to 
kill Teasel after he shoots him through the roof and he falls down and he has his breakdown scene. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't think he has his breakdown scene in, in that. He uh, he goes to kill Teasel because he feels that that's justice and uh, Troutman shoots Rambo, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be the artistic, I made you, I ended you, you know, like Bill Cosby. Frankenstein yeah. monster. Exa- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and uh, Stallone has compared... Rambo to Frankenstein's monster with uh, Troutman being Frankenstein. The second ending was him getting into an argument with Troutman and then deciding to just rush the police outside with the machine guns and they shoot him down and they kill him. That was that was the second one. That's funny because the one that the director describes in the interview film that I watched said it was Rambo talking to Teasel at not Teasel, um, Troutman, and asking Troutman if he has a gun underneath his his jacket, and and he said yes, and he's like, "Well, go ahead, do it, shoot me." And Teasel try or Troutman tries, and he just can't do it. So Rambo grabs his hand and pulls the trigger, jerks his hand, yes, yeah, jerks his hand, yes. That's the one that they did in the test screening. Okay, and the director basically said that during that test screening. They knew they had a hit on their hands because everybody was getting into it. And then they showed that ending and they said that somebody in the audience basically said, if the director is in this audience, he should be strung up in the nearest lamppost. Nice. <laughs> so okay. they decided that they probably shouldn't use that ending. <laughs> yeah. fair. I mean, fair enough. Um, well, you have to go back to Michael Douglas. Kirk, Kirk, Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas, yes. Was a massive actor in what the forties, fifties, sixties, sixties, Articus. What were those rules that they had? Hayes rules. Hay, Hay, Hayes code. Hayes code. So that's where he was brought up. He was brought up that this guy did some bad stuff. He has to. He has to pay the price, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Corinna was hired three days before shooting. Yeah, he had zero time to he prepare. Had, he was actually asking the the director to feed him his lines because he had not had time to memorize them. That that is correct. Um. Uh, the, I think I, I like Krenna. I like, I like what he did with him. There was the only thing I didn't like about his character was that he was always standing like he was Superman. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm going to tell you, he bring you, you better take a large supply of body bags. The things that he, the way he would say, like he'd walk in and he'd kind of turn sideways. You know what I mean? You're like, what the (laughs) fuck are you doing, dude? You just, just walk in and talk to people. But I'm impressive. Yeah, but I thought I thought that he was he was really good in that. I think that they needed now if if Rambo had died, obviously, I mean, because two was huge. I don't know how big three was. Three was kind of panned, even though it's okay. I mean, I I, I can still watch it, but the last two to me have been really good. Um, the fourth one was super violent, and the fifth one was super violent. But they were they were good. They were a lot better. Now are are they all? Just like taking place in the United States. I mean, no, I'd... this is the only Rambo that takes place completely okay. in the United States. All right, it's the only. That's what I mean. That confused the hell right. out of me right. when I was watching this. I'm like, what? It's the only. On? It's the only Rambo where he doesn't use a bow and arrow, and it's the only Rambo that there are not mortars. So all the other four, he uses bow and arrow, and he uses he there are, there are mortars used at some point. This is the only one that takes place in the United States, and that's why I'm saying. This movie is is the best movie because it's it's significantly more realistic. 
the second movie is my favorite because it's it's kind of batshit crazy, but it's just it's it's so fun. You know what I mean? And plus it was like I think that Rambo was the first real hardcore action movie that I got to see because of the violence and the language and the stuff like that. Uh, but it was it, it just kind it, it it doesn't go off the rails, but it's like <sighs> I mean in Rambo two a guy gets blown up with an explosive arrow. It's fucking awesome, <laughs> right? And and then afterwards when he blows up, you see his boots on the rocks. So it literally blows the guy up and his boots <laughs> oh, are just sitting like there the smoking. <laughs> it is, it is. So, but but you know what? Like like in this movie, it's it, to me, it's a little more realistic. Like the only part that I that I call massive bullshit on is when he jumps off the wall, off the rock, the ledge, mm-hmm. and then lands in the trees. That scene that's um, going to jack you up a little bit more than you would think. Well, that scene, I mean, obviously the dive was a stunt double, but when he lands on the branch, he did the last third of the fall. He did that. So on, he kept doing it on the fourth take. He broke his rib, mm-hmm. bruised his spleen. Yep. And he said that was just the start of one of many trips to the ER for this film for they, him. <laughs> they asked him, they, he was asked one time about his acting at, when he comes down on the ground and how did he make it that realistic? He says, because it was realistic. I just broken my rib. So I didn't have to act. I was in pain. <laughs> <laughs> he got he got fucked up on this movie. Quite oh a yeah, bit. broke fingers. Yep. Uh, yeah, and and the thing is, is Richard Carena was saying because they were filming this in uh, northern Canada, uh, British Columbia, British Columbia. Yep. Um, and it it got as cold as forty below mm-hmm. in some scenes. And Richard Carena is like, I show up and I'm in like got long johns on underneath i've got like two pairs of socks and there's there's sylvester running around in a tank top yep. <laughs> he's like so he kind of kept us on our toes and like okay we gotta we gotta stay into this if yeah, he's they said, just dedicated they said he didn't get sick once which is kind of impressive but um he uh when uh, the scene where he's running into the cave when they're shooting at him the first time uh he actually puts his hand on a piece of wood to like help him turn and there was a gunshot squib that went off under his hand he thought it had blown his hand off he said it hurt that bad. Ooh. Um, there, lots, lots of people got hurt on this movie. We can go into that real quick. Um, the guy that goes throughout the movie with the tape on his nose, um, the police officer. Okay. You know, he's the one that was kind of, something happened and he elbowed him in the, in the getaway. And then for the rest of the movie, he's the one that's constantly like, hey, hey, sheriff, you know, it's Rambo. The part where he hears on the radio and he runs in there, he's got the tape across his nose. Stallone actually broke his nose. It was it was an accident. He broke his nose in that scene. Um, the scene where the motorcycle chase, where you see the car jump the railroad tracks, mm-hmm. the initial stunt setup was wrong, and the car was doing 70 mile an hour when it hit it, and when it landed, the car landed flat, Oof. and it wrecked the car. When the stunt driver went to get out of the car, he couldn't walk. He had, he had cracked a vertebra. So they had to re- they had to refilm that and the scene where Teasel is chasing Rambo on the motorcycle and you're like oh I can't believe they just flipped that car over like that they didn't do that on purpose it flipped over on accident and the director liked it so much that he made <laughs> Brian Dennehy climb in the car upside down to climb out afterwards <laughs> um, but yeah there were lots of cuts and bruises and and scrapes and people got it was 1982 yeah there was no CGI back then it was all. Practical yeah, effect. It's all real. Yeah. You know? Well, that's one of the reasons when you've got him, you know, the, the, the scene where Rambo is 
forced into the mine and then the National Guard blowed it up. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's, you know, descending into the mine, and this is this was again was in analysis like this is his death and rebirth kind of metaphor when he's going down in the mine and then and climbing back up. When he's in the scene with the water and the rats are kind of jumping on him and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. In the book, it's bats. Yes. But it's easier to control rats than it probably would be bats. Yeah, it is. Um, because those were not CGI mice those, or rats. Those were, re- honest to goodness. There was actually some controversy in this movie because one of the people that was in charge of the rats went to the government in British Columbia talking about how they were hurting the rats because they were literally blowing them up and throwing them and setting them on fire and chunking them and everything. And they were like, they're like, what do, what do you want us to do? And she's like, well, I think you should stop it. And she said, they told her, well, you can't do anything until people actually see it. But nothing ever materialized because, I mean, it's rats. Nobody gave a shit. Nobody about cares rats. about rats. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sorry, Remy. Yeah. Um, Rambo, you want to know who they wanted to play Rambo to start off with over, over the whole? Because the studio acquired this in 1972. And they didn't do anything with it until 1980 because mm-hmm. of scheduling, um, script, Money, things like that. Uh, they wanted Chris Christopherson originally. Wow. Okay, I could see that because he actually was an Army Ranger, and uh, his success, believe it or not, with the movie Convoy, had made it. A star is born. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> they offered it to James Garner. Yep, and he said no because he actually has two purple hearts and did not believe that he and did not want to play a a, a role where he was fighting cops. They offered it to Dustin Hoffman. Oh, no. Right? And he's like, no, too violent. And I'm like, no, too short. Are you kidding me? Dustin Hoffman said it was too violent? Yeah. Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Uh, I, I mean, Tootsie I, was fucked up. I no, mean, that it's was not, a fucked it's up. It's not Tootsie. <laughs> I, I will, I at the break, I will look up this movie. There is a uh, kind of this um, a, a horror movie, basically, that he was in. Well, maybe he didn't like that it. Was, that was remade where he's like the city guy that comes to the country um with his wife I'll, I'll look it up but that it's violent as hell maybe so, maybe he didn't like maybe he took that role because he needed money maybe he was bigger I, at this point. I don't know i mean it was a oh geez they wanted jeff bridges okay i could see that robert de niro i don't see him in this he's too old yeah no not too old <laughs> he, he wasn't old in, he wasn't old in 1980 yeah but it's just too taxi driver you know well, like I, he, I know yeah. but i mean you know, there's a lot of guys that came back from Nam that had that taxi driver mentality. Right. Michael Douglas, Paul mm. Newman. Paul Newman. Yeah. Really? No, no, not Paul Newman. No, Nick no. Nolte. That one I can see. Oh, he's a crazy son of a bitch. Yep. Ryan O'Neill. Mm. And then my favorite, they wanted John Tavolta. They they oh, thought of John. Hell no. Right. He he had to dance <laughs> through the cave. He'd be like, stand alive, stand alive. <laughs> here's my. Ah, 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 <laughs> here's, here's my fa- here's yeah here's my favorite one though. They discussed Al Pacino. Okay. They discussed this with All Al Pacino, right. but they decided not to offer him the role because Pacino felt that Rambo should be more crazy. Color me shocked that Pacino thought <laughs> somebody. I would be more... like to see a Pacino Rambo. Uh, I think that would be amazing. Uh, <laughs> Just take that to a higher freaking level. Oh, my God. <laughs> and do you know where the uh, director, the director, the writer got the name Rambo from? 
It's an apple. It's a type of apple. Yeah. So I'm going to go Cortland on your ass. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted Lee Marvin to play Colonel Troutman. Okay, I can see that. Do you know why Lee Marvin turned it down? No. Because he said, I'm not going to play a colonel. He wanted to play something higher Apparently, he wanted to be a general. Um, They wanted Gene Hackman to play Teasel. I could see that. I could see that, too. Um, So... This was my, this was one of my favorite casting stories from this movie. Uh, there was a point after this where Stallone, I think he was on Johnny Carson with Burt Reynolds, and Burt Reynolds said to him, "How come you didn't ask me to play Troutman?" And Stallone said, "I you would have nailed it, but I didn't think that you would take a role where you were the secondary character." And Burt Reynolds said, "I would have taken that role in a minute." Hmm. What do you think, Burt Reynolds is Troutman? No. Well, I don't know. I mean, because any of the Burt Reynolds that I've seen has always been like him doing the ha ha, you know, um, you've, you, you, stuff. You've, I've, we've, we've, I have not seen Deliverance, so him as in a more serious role. Well, he's got a lot of movies where he plays cops. You know, yeah. Sharky's Machine and uh, Gator. Was he a cop in Gator? I think he was a cop in Gator. He's got a lot, of, a lot of movies where he was an action guy. I don't know. I think because I think Smoking the Bandit had already been out. You, you know what I mean? I think it would have been tough to see him. But I mean, Burt Reynolds to me was a good actor. So I, I don't know. You'd had to they'd had to trim the mustache down though. And I know that he had a lot of movies where he didn't have the mustache. But um, you know, just I, I mm. that, that was that was interesting. It was interesting that you don't ask somebody to do something even though you think they're going to be perfect because egos might get in the way. Okay. Well, one of the things that they had said too is that. The film in the film when they were filming the after the mind collapse, mm-hmm. um, the director was like singing the praises of the cinematographer in this scene because he basically took two matches and said, "Okay, give me some glue," and glued them together, and that lit the scene when he first lights lights the match to look around and stuff like that. That lit that whole scene. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. That is. There was a scene when he was stuck down in there that got cut from the um, from the the original movie. They actually showed the shoebox scene that he described at the end. They actually filmed that. Oh God, no! That that he flashed back because he was caught. Um, one of the things that they do train you and test for when you go to become a Green Beret is claustrophobia because they know um, Stallone has claustrophobia, so he didn't do real well in the mine scenes. <laughs> <laughs> um, he also Stallone also commissioned a certain I can't remember the name of the knife maker I should have wrote it down to design this knife. Yeah, this was not a regulation knife. This no, the, the, a... no, the K bar is a regulation knife, but not not but, what he had the but film. not yeah. the hollow mm-hmm. waterproof. Uh, and apparently, this movie, the sales of these knives went through the roof because of this movie. Merchandising. Yeah, yeah. They not we're not even we're not even talking about the Dairy Queen scene or sign that we saw three or four times. Movie made me want a blizzard so bad I couldn't stand it. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I don't have anything. You don't have anything. I'm done. You blew your wad. See you next week. <laughs> the scene where he is, um, where he is in the police station, and Galt hits him across the back with his nightstick. Remember, he tells him to turn around, take his pants off, and when he does, he hits him across the back with the nightstick and knocks him down. You remember that scene? Mm-hmm. The director. Um, made them film that scene like five times, five and six times. 
And what was supposed to happen was is Galt hits him, and Caruso character goes, what the hell are you doing, man? Well, they were using a rubber hose so they could get the sound, but they weren't hitting him with something hard. And after the fifth scene, Stallone, the, Stallone gets up, and the director says, okay, let's do it again. And he said to the director, what the hell is your problem? The kid said it perfectly. He got in a fight with the director. They got in a fight, like fist fight, because he, was, he says, I was in pain. They had hit him with a, with a hose like five or six times. That shit hurts. Uh, apparently the next day everything was good. They were like, yeah, yeah, you know, we got it. This we got is it. the first time I think I've ever seen David Crusoe in a in a role where he wasn't trying to play a badass. That's because he's not good at playing a badass. <laughs> well, it's hard to because I'm like, oh yeah, with you know, little baby David Crusoe. But then again, he always kind of looks a little babyish with the ginger hair and the freckles and all that. Yeah. But you know, you always tried to you always tried to pull that off in the CSIs and the Law and Order, not the Law and Orders. What was the other one? He was he was in a lot of cop CSI roles. Miami and I don't know who cares I, I I've never really cared for David Crusoe as an actor I mean he's okay he's he's, he's okay in this. was he in Hill Street Blues I don't know he wasn't in Hill Street Blues no. that was in the eighties there was some cop cop show he was in that yeah I don't I don't remember one. I never never watched it so okay I I actually I've never watched any of the uh, CSIs really yeah. yeah I like Miami the best I don't know why well Miami's warmer. I don't like Miami. It's more drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I think it because it had Candy Alexander in it. So. Oh, that's right. She was in that. That's why she left News Radio. Yeah. Yeah. That's a shame. Sly says this is his favorite movie. He says he's he think he thinks the the final cut is is perfect. It's exactly it's exactly what it should have been. It's exactly what he wanted it to be. Um, I can't imagine I can't imagine this movie having ended with him dying. It just I mean. It, it, Rambo became such a part of American culture. But it's such a... See, that's what blows my mind about it. He's not a hero, right? Not in, in this film. One. Not in this film. He is an anti-hero at best. I mean, he's he's doing what he can to survive, and you've got some empathy for him. Well, however... He makes up for it in the next four. Yeah, but it's just like, it's not like... I mean, the destruction he wrought upon that town... Baby shit compared to two and three. <laughs> it, yeah, but um, let's just talk about this film. It doesn't like it. It doesn't absolve him from the fact that he got treated badly. I mean, he he caused major destruction in the town, um, blew up the gas station, blew up the the ammo and tackle shop. He yep. destroyed buildings with the machine guns. It, it was just bat guano crazy yeah and so it's it was strange to me having never seen any rambo movie before (laughs) that this is something that's like gonna grow up into this huge franchise when he's just not i mean he's not bad but then again all his actions are not justified to that level of destruction and mayhem it's crazy no you're right so what you're saying is completely true, but what happens is, off screen, and you don't know this until basically you find out what happens at the beginning of Rambo, off screen Rambo is tried and sentenced to eight years in a labor camp in early 1982 when he's found guilty of destruction of public property, grievous bodily harm, attempted murder of a sheriff, and the death of a deputy. He wouldn't finish serving his sentence and be released until 1990. So that's what happens to him off screen. You're, you're right. There, there were no... <clears throat> consequences or repercussions in the movie but 
it wasn't like they just let it go. But also keep in mind, First Blood is not what made Rambo American culture and popular. Even though this this was a great movie, this was Rambo is the one that launched him into this. I'm a, I'm a hero because you you've never seen him and you probably won't watch him. Uh, he does things in the following movies that are you know like Congressional Medal of Honor worthy, uh, of course, because it's a it's a film. But he they basically have him do what they trained him to do. He's not you know I mean he makes that comment about. You know, like I see these kids and this and that, and I can't even get a job parking fucking cars. So he, he they give him a sense of purpose, and he he's a soldier first and foremost, and he follows the rules. But also, if you fuck with him, which is you know like that whole the the, the best the most famous line from Rambo is Murdoch, I'm coming for you, because the guy fucks him over and he comes and gets him. So he doesn't kill him, but he kind of makes him poo-poo his pants, I think. But it's that's why he becomes such a, a a big part of American culture. Yes, this movie, he is the good guy, but he's not the good guy. But I mean, like I, like we said in the book, he kills eighteen people. In this one, he didn't he didn't kill anybody, and <clears throat> I think it's a little ridiculous, even when they say that he got sentenced for the death of Galt. The helicopter pilot should have been like, um, no, he right. didn't. He was stupid and took off his harness. And everybody should have known, if you're a decent cop, that the guy took off his harness to begin with. Plus, they knew that... When he, and he went in direct defiance of his orders not to shoot him. Exactly. So... You know, so... But, I mean, again, it's Hollywood. Um, eight years, that's all he got for that. I mean, <laughs> that's that's not much. But you're right. He He's not... He 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 shouldn't be from that movie a hero, but the way they portray him in the the next is are he is nothing but good and righteous, which is kind of ironic. But you know, at that point they're taking they're taking a guy who has been made out to be superhuman and allowing him to do superhuman things. Super soldier, yeah. No, this isn't Universal Soldier. This is Rambo. Whatever. Don't whatever me. (laughs) One of them is Jean-Claude Van Damme, and the other one ends in an A. (laughs) Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Kobe Mack, host of the Colby Told Me podcast. It's my whenever I want to deep dive with the Mac himself where I get to amplify my movie reviews for your listening pleasure. This is my 30 minutes or less solo pod, keeping it real with reviews, sometimes movie news, and an always dope box office breakdown. I'm the best subjectively objective film critic in the game, and when they ask you where you heard it from, you tell them Kobe told me. Peace. Okay, so I think we need to take a break. Okay. Okay. All right. We're back. Yeah. So at the break, I did. Um, I looked it up. So the Dustin Hoffman film that I was referring to, that is extremely violent, is Straw Dogs. Oh yeah, that was remade, uh, like in 2010 or something. Right. Yeah, that was. Well, 
Maybe that's why he didn't want to do a, a violent movie anymore. Maybe he just didn't like it. I, I don't know. Hmm. I the one thing I do find kind of amusing about this film is you know we all have you know people say kind of wise ass comments about things you know like Star Wars and stuff like that when you got a bunch of stormtroopers shooting at one person and that person manages to pick off a few of the stormtroopers but not get hit and all that yeah it's kind of the same thing Rambo's like taking an automatic weapon and firing at all these national guard guardsmen and they all drop but no it doesn't hit any of them you know because they don't want him to kill anybody but i think um i think that if they kind of they were kind of like on shaky ground there with that scene they 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 brought out the fact that he is this elite I mean, killer is really the only way to, to describe him, right? Um, this isn't me. This isn't me bad mouthing Green Berets. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to take that in, in a way. But uh, Green Berets are considered, you know, one of the they're considered the elite army, mm-hmm. you know, assassins. Even though they're not assassins, um, the the Green Berets are. Uh, uh, incredible individuals and again i'm not downplaying them a little bit but i think that what they were describing him to be in this was not what the green berets do i think that he was more black ops than he was anything else um because he said his job was to just when in doubt kill but that's not green berets uh you know he his his job was asset elimination that's what that's what troutman said his job was asset elimination which means they basically dropped him behind enemy lines and he killed people Mm-hmm. And not really. So I think I think they had to call him a Green Beret because Green Berets have that aura about them. Like when you, like you know, hi, I want you to meet you know Carl. He was a Green Beret. You're immediately like, holy fuck, you Don't are a Green Beret. Want to follow that guy? Yeah, yeah, no, no, just just I mean, because uh, I think it was uh, wasn't it John Wayne? He was in the Green Berets, that movie, the Green Berets, and it gave them an aura. They are an elite. Cachet, yeah. They are an elite mm-hmm. fighting group. They they have swagger just because. I, I and I think that if you say black ops, especially at this period in time in the early eighties, yeah, they didn't have the video game yet. True, <laughs> there was still a lot of people that weren't sure how they felt about Vietnam vets. This is this. I mean, we were not very far removed from the fall of Saigon, six years tops. Uh, so it was, you know what I mean. I, I, I so I think that when they, when when they were doing that, and they had that scene where he shot them. If you notice, when he shot that machine gun, that it hit the log that they were behind. If he'd have been trying to kill them, he wouldn't have hit the log. He'd have been eight inches above the log. Um. And there was a fine line with that scene because he was pinned down and he was up against superior odds to not have him kill any of them. I would imagine in the book he probably did because it says he kills 18 people in the book. There weren't that many police officers unless he killed 18 police officers. So you're right. Also, that's that. I think that that might have been that era when we started shooting eight thousand rounds, and you know, the A team. You know, on the A team, <laughs> you'd shoot fifty thousand rounds, and and only only thing that happened is somebody would get a hangnail. Um, <laughs> I, I I think that they kind of they had to tone down what he was poss- capable of doing because if he'd really wanted to kill him, he wouldn't have shot the gun like that. It'd have been pick one off here, pick one off there, pick one off there, like he did with the. 
like he did with the guy uh, handling the dogs. Right. You know, now he had the opportunity to shoot one of the police officers, but the biggest threat of that group was the guy handling the dogs because he was handling the dogs. So he eliminated, you know what I mean? It, it, it was, and that is, that is the principles of guerrilla warfare. And actually in guerrilla warfare, when you're doing something like that, it is more strategic to wound than it is to kill because if you wound, you take out two, not one. Because somebody's going to go help that guy that's hurt. So now you're dead. Now, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so, and I don't know that the Green Berets practice guerrilla warfare. They might. I, I don't know that much about them. Hmm. But I, I You're get, not supposed to. <laughs> well, I mean, look, in any, in any situation, in any situation, if you can, when you're in combat, if you can not kill somebody and you can eliminate them as a threat, then that's what you're trained. That's what you want to do. But let's also be realistic. I mean, you're, if you're in a firefight and you're pinned down, you're not going to try and wound somebody. You're going to you're you're looking to hit them, and if you kill them, you kill them. Um, but guerrilla warfare is about a, is is like a war of attrition. It's about guerrilla warfare is supposed to be designed to pick them off one by one, take their equipment, use their equipment against them, um, smaller numbers so that you're more mobile, harder to find, harder to track, things like that. The Green Berets, the Army Rangers, you know, even Marine Corps recon. They go in with a set designation, and it's you know it's to eliminate or to take or to seize. That's not really that. That's why that's why Vietnam was so tough for us because they fought guerrilla warfare better than we did. They were able to hide. They were able to they were able to to to, to act like they were a farmer, but they were really you know a Viet Cong general. It was just, and we were not used to that type of war. We were used to going in, taking a pinpoint location. And, and then holding it, and we, we weren't able to do it. And that's why there were so many guys that were so screwed up from that, that war, especially when you weren't volunteering to go to that war. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it was, it was very common that they blew up guys in bars with kids with shine boxes. I mean, that's, they, they talk about it in this. That was, you know, the people that didn't know what they were talking about or understand what was going on there were calling them baby killers. They weren't killing the babies. The babies were killing themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes they shot kids because they'd freak out and stuff like that. But, I mean... Having never been under those circumstances myself, I would I would have to imagine that in that situation I'd probably lose my shit every now and then too. So, you know, I, I don't know. I think that they they were trying to bring sentiment to the Vietnam veteran in this movie, probably a little more so than they were in other movies. Because in other movies that are popular, Taxi Driver, um, The Deer Hunter, they kind of portray the Vietnam guy as a psycho, as just this guy who's lost his shit because. Ta- taxi driver was a Vietnam vet, and he tried yeah. to kill the president. Right, I think in in Deer Hunter, it's a little bit more mental. Uh, well, mm. yeah, I mean, they get into Christopher Walken's mental state a little bit. And what's he end up doing in that movie? He, he ends up killing himself. Right. So, I mean, it's it's they they were portrayed in Hollywood, which honestly doesn't surprise me, as a very mentally unstable group of people. And in this movie, I don't think that they portrayed Rambo as mentally unstable at all. In fact, the opening scene when he's walking down the road and he's coming down the hill into that little gully, for lack of a better word, where, mm-hmm. um, what was his name that he was looking for, his buddy's name? I, I can't, can't remember. He's got a smile on his face. He's happy. He's li- like looking at the kids. He's kicking the ball. He kicks the ball to him. He's like a normal. Well, he thinks he's going to see his friend. Exactly, he's happy. Right. He's normal, and then he realizes now he now he suffers even more loss than he's already suffered, and even then he doesn't lose his shit. He's just like God. Ah. 
Well, it's a slow. What a, like what a fucking bad day. Like you know I, I mean? said, it's a slow descent. Yeah, it is into into this. It's it's, and it's you know a lot of what he does in the in the police headquarters is you know kind of a fugue state, right? He's kind of st- stunned and he doesn't really not really responsive, and then basically just his reality is kind of marred by those flashbacks and that's when he reacts. But you would think at some point when he's out in the woods, it comes back, you know what I mean? It comes back. Uh, You know, how do you, yeah. Now the shit's hit the fan kind of. Yeah. I don't know how, you know, that really works in terms of realizing because he came out with his hands up at one point and is saying, I didn't do anything. I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't kill this guy. You know, trying to get get some balance back into the situation and kind of owning up to this went very very wrong. Um, and it's Dennehy's character that's you know pushing it forward, and somebody shoots. I forget who shoots. I don't know if it was Dennehy one, or one not. Of, one of the deputies shoots yeah. first. Well, that was that was the first time in the whole situation where somebody had gotten hurt. Mm-hmm. Okay, now yeah, he got in the fight. In the, in the police station, but I mean, you know, punching somebody and seeing a guy fall out of a helicopter are two different things. So he had that mental capacity to say, "Hey, whoa, whoa, maybe maybe this is escalating a little farther than I wanted it to." Because if you go, let's go back to where the whole thing started. He was walking back across the bridge, but the bridge basically in a state of passive resistance. Yeah, that's basically what he was doing. He was basically at that point telling the cop, "You know what? Fuck you. I have I you can't do this to me. I have a right to be here." Right. Um. When they took him into the police station, he wasn't fighting them. He just wasn't letting them take his fingerprints. They didn't ask him his name. He didn't tell him anything. You, you know, he was just like you said. He was just kind of like, okay, I, if this is what we're gonna do, I'm gonna make it difficult. You decided to arrest me because I wanted some bacon and eggs. So roll your finger. Just push his finger. No, it, it, it smudges, and it just and he just kind of really calmly just kind of reaches down and grabs a paper towel because he's gonna wipe his <laughs> finger off. And Teasel gets pissed off and. Throws it and starts screaming at him, and he just kind of reaches down again and grabs another paper towel. All, See, all nice and calm, and that didn't like. And maybe it's Stallone's performance of it that didn't strike me as him being calm. That kind of struck me as him being like just not completely a hundred percent in the situation, right? Because the way he picks up the paper towel and he tries to wipe his finger off it's very childlike almost you know it's possible i mean it, w- once you get into the backstory of rambo which is it's kind of unfortunate that you haven't seen those movies and i know you probably never will watch them you you find out that you know he spent a lot of time in a pow camp the character did um so it's a situation where you know you had to be very deliberate and you know you couldn't just you know, you know what I mean. It, he's probably okay. Here we go again. I'll just do what they tell me to do. Be- I, I, I don't know. I, I, I interpret it as you arrested me for something completely ridiculously and st- and and st- completely ridiculous, stupid. So I'm just gonna make life hard on you. I'm gonna I'm gonna sleep on this cop because where was I gonna sleep tonight anyway? You're gonna bring me food because I was fucking hungry. And but I'm not I'm not gonna give you information for for anything. You're going to have to do all the work. Well, that's his training, right? Exactly. He wasn't. He wasn't. Uh, pl- probably wasn't planned on getting beat down, or probably wasn't planned on the straight razor. You know, mm-hmm. uh, in the book, you were right. Uh, he is very long-haired with a very long beard, and in this, 
I mean, even when he's... That was the other thing, too, that I kind of didn't like that they did in this movie. Denny, he says, give, give him a shower. He stinks like hell, blah, 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 blah. But he was presentable. Like, you know how... Okay, this is bad to say. When you're driving down the street and you see a, a bum, mm-hmm. and you can kind of tell if they're a bum because you can look at their hair, and the hair's just fucked up, right? It's just gross and greasy and matted. This guy had, like, perfect feathers down... You know what I mean? It looked right. Like, looked like he had just left Paul Paul's... What's Mitchell? It? Paul Mitchell. Yeah, Vidal Sassoon. If, you know, if I don't it's look Vidal good. Vidal Sassoon. Yeah, he, he looked like he had just left the barber's chair. And yeah, he had a little bit of hair on his face, but it, he, I mean, that to a normal guy is probably what, three, four, five days, six days worth of growth. So it wasn't like he was, you know what I mean? So I, I feel like he had just decided, well, okay, we're going to, if this is the game we're going to play, it's warm in here. I'm going to get food. Yeah, it just, I don't know. I guess it, he just looked like, like something just wasn't quite it was right. Ve- it was you very know? childlike. You're yeah, right. It yeah. was very childlike. It was just almost like I'm here, but I'm not here. The look on his face but was different there than when he they were saying, "What's your name, boy?" You right. know what I mean. He just kind of looked at him. He did kind of look like, "Oh, what is this thing?" Okay. Yeah. I, I, I get it. But also, you could see how he changed <laughs> from when they would don't said, take the cork off the fork. Yes. <laughs> right. It's also you could see how it changed when he went from picking up the paper towel to seeing the straight razor. So. Right. Right. You know, um, Ted Kochiff uh, basically said too. He added some color in the scene where you've got um, what's the guy's name that fell fell out, fell out of the helicopter? Galt. Galt. When he walks up to Galt's body and kind of picks him up and stares him in the face, that that moment is supposed to be him kind of getting a flashback of everybody he saw get killed in Vietnam. Exactly. Um, so. Th- Again, it's kind of like he's kind of in and out of this awareness of the situation. And but it just it then escalates to like fully acknowledging what he's doing and maybe feeling like he's got nothing to lose and therefore going out in a big way. Maybe. Uh, I, I also wonder if it's he just feels that at that point. He doesn't feel like he can turn himself over because of the way he was treated previously. You know, he could have come out of the thing and said, "Okay, look, you guys got me," but you know, at that point, what are they going to do to him? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's the survival that the survivalist in him kicks in, and he knows. You know, he because obviously, if he's there, he's never been in a situation that he couldn't get out of before. So, mm-hmm. and and I w- apparently uh, most of his his platoon mates were the same way because. Uh, uh, he only mentioned a couple of them dying in Vietnam. You know, he one of them, one, the one died of cancer, and you know stuff like that. So, did they mention that any of them died of suicide? Or no, I don't think they say any of them died of suicide. The one, the he, the only two that we really hear about are the one that he went to see at the beginning that had died from cancer, and the other one that got blown up by the the kid with the shine box, the one that with the car. Yeah, he wanted to drive his car, but he didn't have any legs. Yeah, and, yeah. like I can't find your fucking legs. So you know what? Let let's talk about that for a second. Let's let's talk about let's talk about the monologue at the end. Oh, okay. How did you feel about the monologue at the end? A lot of people, you know, kind of praise Stallone for his performance, and because I guess he does he does get super emotional. I think maybe it's. Maybe it's the way the dialogue is written. I don't know. I mean, I know this is supposed to be a serious point in the movie, but there's parts of it. You even laughed 
at one point because of the way he yeah, read the, the line. I, no, no, <laughs> no, no. I didn't laugh because of the way he read the line. There's a part. There's a part where he says, and he's like, yeah, "What I want to draw my card." He's like, "But I can't find your fucking line." Yeah, yeah. And it reminded me of in Major Pain when he's like, "But pain, I can't feel my legs." <laughs> and I think at this okay. point, there's a, there's a legitimate point. The part in me that says, um, "Damon Wayans stole that." Yeah, I mean, maybe to, it, to, it's kind of like a tribute or something, but that it made me laugh because I'd never, I had never put the two together before. I needed captions to fully understand what he was saying. I mean, you, I get the gist of it, yeah. But I, 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 I struggle because I know that this is supposed to be pivotal and it's supposed to be conveying something that's serious and stuff like that. But his, his performance sometimes were was just a little. This this scene I think was above his ability above uh, at this point in his career. I I don't know. I mean, I think I think he did all right with the scene. I mean, nobody thinks of Stallone as a as a great actor, even though he's he's a to me he's a good actor. He I mean he does some silly stuff in his movies and um, you know there's some scenes that you'll see him like I I, there's one in Rambo that kills me every time I see it. Um, I, I. it's it's a scene where he's flying a helicopter and he's shooting the he's shooting the stuff with the mini guns and he it's a view from the side and he looks down and he goes <laughs> I mean you're like what do you do what what is that you know I, it, demolition man the other day I'm watching it and he's running and the whole time he's running he's like ah I don't know anybody who screams when they run <laughs> anybody but Kids. that's <laughs> yeah yeah right maybe when you're on the merry-go-round or the, the what was it the what, what did they call it. The thing that the carousel, when you get on it and the kids and you'd hold on and somebody would spin it as fast as it could. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I know what that is. Not the merry-go-round, but anyway. It's, yeah, somebody, I remember yeah. in, in elementary school, somebody went flying off and one broke his leg. Now, yeah. that was a lot of screaming he was that a afternoon. What a bitch. No. Oh, God. And they removed him soon after. What a bitch. Uh. If, you can't, if you can't live, if, if you haven't lived until you've done that. Anyway, so I, I, I think he's a good actor. Now, he's not... He's not Tom Hanks actor, you know. He's not Kirk Douglas. I, I I get that. Right. But I think this is to me this scene is typical Hollywood overdoing it. Mm-hmm. He didn't need to be that way. He could have literally just said, "I remember when we were in the in the bar." You know, he. I, I mean, I get that it's painful, but we. You know, that's not that's not what they needed to do. They could have had him talk to Troutman and say the stuff. Well, and, I, and maybe tear up. I think. Well, no, I I don't necessarily agree with that. I th- I think that he's. I I won't say he's been holding it together because obviously he's friggin' trashed this town. Um, Fuck that town! It's, it's, <laughs> not, it's not it's not real anyway. <laughs> hey, he ruins Christmas for the town of Hope. Um, now is this a Christmas movie? Uh, according to people who think that Die Hard's a Christmas okay, movie, this right. is a Christmas movie. Um, back to what I was saying. I, I think him breaking down at that point made sense for the character because of everything he's been holding in, and now he's with his kind of father figure, so he's safe to do that. Yes. Um, also, you know, when you when something traumatic happens to a person they don't think the, the the things that he was saying about trying to find his legs and put his guts back in and all that. I mean, it sounds utterly ridiculous out of context. If you just kind of read that with a straight face and, and uh, over the top and whatever, but I can, I can kind of see the mental state maybe 
taking over where you're trying to put your friend back together. Um, but just because I know I've had some times when somebody has told me something and it was very traumatic and, and I, Lord knows what I said to him, but you know, I've, I've said things that were completely untrue and out of context. Um, so you just said, you just said that you, you didn't get that. And then I said, I think they went over the top and then you said, Oh, I think they did great with it. No, no, I didn't. I don't think they did great with it. I struggle because I can understand why and I can understand the how and you just don't like it because Stallone did it no it just the it's it's not necessarily because Stallone did it I just don't think I think that the way he did it is almost comedic if you come at it without any context or pre-context of what's going on it it's it's it kind of is somewhere between serious and silly. But you, you just know? had 90 minutes of context to let you know what was going down. I know, but I don't know. I just, maybe it was just Stallone's ability to carry it off that that was an, an issue. It's not necessarily I don't like Stallone. I mean, or it's that. a little, it was a little hard to understand at times, but that's. Yeah, at one point I'm like, oh my God, we need closed captions. What the I mean, fuck there is are, going on? There are times when Stallone's hard to understand when he's talking normal too. I right. Mean, I, I equate this scene much the way i do the final part of rocky four when he's like well, if, if 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 we could come together then everybody could come together it's a rocky movie let's not let's not make this a political movie right, uh, that, right. That, but, it, well this this definitely was more a political yeah a political rocky. movie i i i i struggle with understanding and getting what they were trying to accomplish i have a issue with maybe the ex the full execution of it 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 kind of got there, but it misses the mark in some ways. That's that's how I feel about that. I don't understand you sometimes. <laughs> one of the things, too, I, um, one of the, the producers of the film were, were talking about how invaluable it was to, to lay the soundtrack down to this film um, because uh, they needed to soften him um, because he is an imposing figure. Right. Um, so again, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily the uh, Stallone's ability to act at that point in his career uh, versus, you know, them kind of pulling the strings other ways too. So you don't look like you understand what I just I said. I don't think I do. Well, the the they they kind of felt they really needed the soundtrack to to add more empathy to the character. Okay, right to soften him up. Otherwise, he was just kind of come a, come across as this imposing, terrifying figure. So, again, you know, it's maybe a little bit out of Stallone's reach at the time. That's actually not the same thing as what I'm about to say, but close. Okay. Uh, the soundtrack and this. There is only one instance of this being released in stereo, and that was one print of the DVDs where it, the soundtrack and the sound was in stereo. This is a mono uh, movie, which is odd to me. Yeah, kind I don't of, think it was... Kind of odd. Mm -hmm. Did you notice in the, the police station when they first brought Rambo in, um, that they had the big banner over the, like, the reception desk that said Merry Christmas, mm -hmm. and it was spelled M-E-R-Y, Christmas? No, I didn't. Yeah, it's spelled wrong. They lost an R. They must have had Schwarzenegger spell it for them. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Um, 
All right, I want to talk about uh, the scene with Teasel and the state cop. Okay, and it's refresh my memory. Okay, it's the scene where Teasel has just brought his men back in from the woods. Okay, after Rambo had injured them all. Okay, and uh, he's sitting there, and the doctor's working on him. And the state, it's the same way. He goes, don't give me that bullshit about fucking jurisdiction. That one. Mm-hmm. Why did that cop right there, that state cop, not remove Teasel from the situation immediately? Because the first thing he says to him is, what the fuck, basically. And then Teasel's own cop comes in and says, I saw that they treated him bad. And Teasel's answer is, well, when, my men abuse a, uh, uh, when my men abuse a prisoner, I handle it. You handle that by how abusing them? There's there's a there's a fucking problem right there. Yeah, so, yeah. Whoa, whoa, what the hell's going on? This is and that's pretty much what I was alluding to at the beginning uh, when I said I wanted to talk about this and I have questions. It's that whole trope about you know jurisdiction people stepping out of their jurisdiction to try to. Okay, we can clear save a vendetta. We can save know? that for I have questions. I, well, I mean, I just, it's out now. I just don't get. Can't put it back in. Well, you can. It's more fun that way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I kind of I never really kind of understood that scene uh, and the second thing is when the National Guard shows up the the, the local police are well irrelevant right bye bye but but I just I, I, I don't understand why they I guess they had to let you in on who everybody was and 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 then in their heavy-handed way say uh, we do acknowledge that the police were treating him bad but Troutman shows up at the same time and he gets in the discussion with Troutman like Troutman doesn't know what he's doing and he he's and, and then tells him that's not what's going to happen and he says okay well then you know what take a lot of body bags and Troutman walks away and then then Teasel goes well, well hey if you really want to help us he told you 10 minutes ago that he was there to help what what are you fucking doing man right <laughs> right it's 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 a lot of hubris on on the, the point of that character and and Brian Dennehy does those roles well so he does he he, yeah. I did. You're not, not gonna pay for Brian Dennehy and not have a movie with a lot of Brian Dennehy. I did not. I did not know that Brian Dennehy was a Marine. Really? Yeah. Thought you could tell by looking at him. Well, just just because you're barrel chested doesn't mean you're a Marine. God. Plus, his hair's way too long. <laughs> um. Okay. The uh the scene with Troutman and Teasel in the bar. Oh yeah. Why did Teasel go down there? Nothing was accomplished from that scene. No, oh, there wasn't a date. <laughs> I mean, maybe the I, 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 December eighteenth, nineteen eighty. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, was that was that see before or after he was in his office and and had his head buried in his hands? Did I'm trying to think of the timeline of the movie here. That scene was after he had his head buried in his hands because that was when he found out that they had blown up the cave mm-hmm. and thought Rambo was dead. Right. Because one of the things he said to Troutman was, I wanted to shoot that kid in the head. I, mm-hmm. wanted, to, he, I wanted to blow his fucking brains out, I think is what he said. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he said. But he basically went down there to Troutman on the premise that he was there to apologize for acting the way that he acted. Mm-hmm. And 30 seconds later was like, fuck you. 
more or less. It was like it was like he was trying to find another bear to poke. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was really odd. It's scary, you know, because you you don't want to be rooting, you know, unless it's Smokey and the Bandits against the cops. Um, I still kind of rooted for Buford. <laughs> um, but the fact that he was just so easily provoked. That's not what you want to yeah, see in law enforcement. Yeah, well, small town, who you know, I guess. I don't know. I mean, but that's that's what's so unsettling about Teasel Weasel. Um, he's basically you you want to feel like okay, he's he's trying to do the right thing, but he's not. He's you know he's no Tommy Lee Jones in this thing. He's he's very much volatile violent easily provoked not logical whatsoever it's just i want to do what i want to do which you know gene hackman would have been great in this film because you know uh, unforgiven i mean well, this <laughs> it would, would have been a very early you know rendition you're right. of you're right i i i think teasel's the only character that i have issues with because I feel like if you were that guy that was able to go, hey, Dave, how's it going? Hey, Sheriff, good morning. How are you going to come by for mm-hmm. pancakes? Like he was this very likable guy. If he was constantly doing stuff like this, I feel like it would have been out and his and even his officers would not care for him. You know what I mean? Right, it right. Just really, really. He's a bully, you know, and yeah. Big time. It, bully big time. He's, he's, you know, because it's, it's Dennehy, and I probably Dennehy could probably pull that off, but he's just this shy over the line of becoming Justice T. Buford. <laughs> you know? Buford T. Justice. Buford T. Justice. Yeah. Sorry, not as funny. Um, Nowhere near as funny. No, yeah, but not, still, not like, gonna slap, like, not gonna slap somebody's mom in the like mouth. Like you could, like, just kind of push him over that line and then have it because this is a weird mix between action. And that this, you know, the scene where he's running away and he's running into the, to the woods, and and the sheriff and the deputies are after him with the dogs and stuff like that. That section of that movie is so much like a horror film. There are so many things that remind you of a horror film, and it's just very strange that they took it in that direction. It probably would have been kind of a cool movie if they took it all the way into a horror film, and you know even less about John Rambo, but. Um, well, I think they took it in that direction to show you who he was in Vietnam, right? Because that's how he would have fought in Vietnam. Um, the and 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 his not just tell you about what he can do; they wanted to show you what he could do. I, I think, and, yeah, and, sure. and you're right. Show don't it tell was, is it, yeah, yeah. It was very, very horror esque, especially with the rain and the lightning. Yeah. Um, and um, there weren't a lot of quick cuts, but um, the, the like the scene Some where Some jump scares. Uh, yeah. Uh, if, if, yeah, if you're not ready for him, if you'd never seen this movie before, yeah, there was a couple jump scares. Yeah. Um, me, I've seen it so many fucking times, I can basically tell you, you know, like I, I can see him laying on the ground now because I know where he's coming from and you can see it. So that's just, but I've seen it, a, you know, probably 50 times. So. Yes, you're right. I, I I wonder what I wonder how hard it was for them to not go down that road. And that was another thing I had here. I wanted to ask you about what do you, do you think that it was? <clears throat> they 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 took and they made Rambo not a killer. 
Not they, a doctor. They made it, yeah, not a doctor. They made him not a killer in this movie, mm-hmm. even though he was a killer. Right. Do you think that helps what what they were trying to sell you for Rambo? Because it, it, even though he didn't kill those guys in the forest, he now hijacks a five ton in a in a gun. Mm-hmm. So he could have. They were they were leaving. They thought he was dead. They were leaving. They were packing up and they were they were out. Right. He could have. He could I have mean, just disappeared. He that that's that's part of it too. It's just like okay, what? I mean, obviously you're dealing with somebody who is who is you know, got some issues going on because everything that, that happened to him and the way he's treated and all that. But yeah, I mean, would it have been more effective, you know, had he waited for everybody to leave and then come back and quietly get his justice on Teasel? Yeah. I mean, that would have been, but I, but they wanted, I mean, <laughs> the director basically said, what do you want to do with the gas station? Blow it up. Um, so that's, they wanted these, these big action film into it and that he's coming to this town, you know, with a vendetta and, a you know, a death wish. Okay. I've, I've I've mentioned two other movies. Um, (laughs) That was, that was the part of the movie to me where it turned and it, it kind of started the eighties action genre. Yeah. He could have, to, to me, another, another very legitimate ending and it could have been uh, again on the creepy horror mm-hmm. side was he could have stalked Dennehy mm-hmm. and booby trapped his house or you know what i mean yeah his office and, and, or... and, yeah and and had Troutman show up and go you know what i i figured this was going to happen or, or you know right. whatever well this was not the era of shock and awe either which is you know something that it was like is this really in his training to like i diversion i get like when he went into the the uh, the bait and tackle shop and the mm-hmm. gun gun shop and and set made that kind of blow up real good and um, but that's a diversion right that that kind of gets everybody the same thing with the gas station the gas station is a diversion and that he keeps doing all this like he has to knock out all the lights and and all this it's but is that is that proper I, I don't know is that proper warfare or would it have been more effective and more efficient and more in line with his training for him to be stealth. Well, that's proper warfare because what he did was he blew up the gas station. So now he had every cop in town at the gas station. Mm-hmm. He had every fire department at the gas station. Mm-hmm. Then he knew that Denny, he was up on top of the roof. He needed to be able to sneak into the police station. Right. So by killing the lights, obviously he, he ups the cover. So it's harder for Denny, he to see off the roof, but he also now has Denny, he's attention focused on the, 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 the gun shop down the street. And the way he set it up was so that it was supposed to be, I mean, it's not as legitimate as you blew it up 20 minutes after you left it so that he's looking and you sneak across. I mean, you kind of set it on fire and he heard it immediately. But right. that was that was, that was was exactly what you said. It was a diversion. He knew that by blowing that gas station up, there weren't going to be any other police officers in the, in the station. And then he completely shot up the police station. Why did he shoot up the police station instead of shooting the transformer that took the police station? You, you know what I mean? Right. Little, little things. But that's what I'm saying. It's like it's, like it's the movie that ushered in the... the Big, the ridiculousness boom. of the '80s action action era, yeah, yeah, because you wanted to see stuff blowing up and Walking stuff falling away apart. from the big explosion, yeah, yeah. So things like that. So to me, it, and it, and I'm not saying that it's a bad direction. It's it's it would have been a different direction to go where he, okay, I'm just gonna hide. I'm gonna climb back down this ladder now that I know how to get out of here. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna wait five hours. 
these guys are going to be gone, and then I'm going to go into town and I'm going to find out where he lives. Uh, you know what I mean? Almost maybe that's too creepy. Maybe. May- maybe that's too. At this point now, you don't have any sympathy for Rambo. I, I don't, I don't right. know. I, I don't know. I, I don't have any issues with the way it went. I think it was great, but still, it the you know so many different things that you could have done and seen there. Yeah, yeah, that would have that would have probably taken it to a, like a Cape Fear kind of direction. So yeah, mm. why don't you do um, questions? Um, boy, did they put the National Guard in a terrible light here. Now I realize it's a small town upstate Washington, but goddamn <laughs> why? <laughs> I can't say this without making anybody angry. You know you're gonna make me angry, aren't no, you? No, no, not you. Not you. <laughs> the National Guard is an important function of our of our military infrastructure. National Guard, it, I, I commend them and I appreciate them. But the National Guard is not a deployable military force. They are not they are not designed to be what the Army is and what the Marine Corps is. The National Guard is about showing up <clears throat> in a town and ushering people off the streets, bringing supplies creating a little bit of order. They're not they're not combat ready even though they're combat ready. I say that and I'm not insulting them, but they're not you know what I mean? They're a lot of active duty people refer to the National Guard as the local boy scout troop. Yeah, and I'm especially at not at the time of the movie but at the time of the Vietnam War um because I say this because my dad was in the National Guard. Mm-hmm. He was drafted into the National Guard. He was um, Canadian citizen with a green card here, so he's drafted in. Um, he did a lot of like things like after Martin Luther King was shot, um, you know, crowd control at protests and, and things like that. So um, some of the things he saw in boot camp and, and things like that were people not being able to handle certain mm-hmm. things and, and were kind of traumatic. So it's, I don't think even the level of danger, I, I don't know. It's a lot of people see that as less because they are stateside. Um, I think, don't think the sacrifice is any less than that, but I can see maybe in the eighties when there's really no immediate war that these are, you know, what they call them, um, Weekend, weekend warriors. Weekend warriors. It's not. It's not an insult to 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 say what I'm saying about the National Guard. The National Guard has a function. Okay. It would. It would be like. It would be like um, calling up the Red Cross to fight somebody. You know what I mean? It, it, the National Guard is not about achieving military directives. The National Guard is about keeping order here. National emergencies. You know what? The National yeah. Guard. The National Guard. Let, let's say. Okay, the National Guard gets called up every time there's there's a hurricane that smashes somewhere, like Houston. Mm-hmm. Okay, when when um what was the was it was it Katrina? No, it wasn't Katrina. Well, the one that went through Houston a little a uh, couple years ago where they had all the flooding because um and and JJ Watt raised all the money. I can't remember. I can't remember. But the National Guard shows up there and and Hardy? Yeah, maybe. I, I yeah, I can't remember. There's so many of them that we deal with now. Well, cuz that was the one before Irma. So it was maybe. an H. Yeah. So they show up, and their job is to help protect people. 
to help to help when you've got a hundred thousand people that are displaced and homeless, you're going to have issues. People are going to want to fight. They're there. I, I don't want to say glorified police officers, but that's what they do. They're there help to to help feed people and help shelter people and help rescue people right. off of roofs and things like that. Well, yeah, they're not they're not about taking Mount Iwo Jima. Right. Well, after nine eleven, too, I know that you know one of the yes. one of the people that I knew, you know, in my twenties, who was a guardsman. You know, he was called to patrol at a, a, a local dam. Yep. You know, so all those, yeah. you know, security. Sec- uh, yeah. uh, they're a glorified security force, mm-hmm. and I don't say that with any ill will or nastiness at all, because they they are they are extremely valuable in what they do. But you have to have people that have do that because you can't call the 82nd Airborne to come in and police a, a homeless shelter when they you know what I mean? Right. It's and that's that's what happened there. It's I mean, re- resource allocation. Yeah. Is, the, is the, really... I mean, the one guy says, "I got to be back at the pharmacy tomorrow." I mean, he he didn't give a sh. There's and and. But even if if you're a guardsman, you wouldn't say that because you know, right? If you're called into action, uh, that you. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe right. not. I, I don't know. Right. I, that's, but that said, okay, the second question pertaining to the National Guard, would they have the firepower that they had? Yes, absolutely. Really? Yeah, they probably would. Absolutely. Even the, mm-hmm. well, I can't remember. The rocket launcher, the RPG? The RPG, yeah. Probably. Those are, those are not, that thing he shot was not like highly technical. I mean, we, every Marine shoots one of those in boot camp, in boot mm-hmm. camp. So it's, they would have the 60s, especially for that. Now, they might have been set up a little bit differently. A 60 cal is not a high tech. Oh my God, I can't believe they have one of those guns. I mean, they mount those guns on on trucks and everything else. So I would say yes. That made sense. If you're going to call out that many people, you're not going to give them all pistols. You know what I mean? There, there comes a, it's, when you deploy, you deploy as a unit. And each unit has um, allocated assets and you don't go well we're just going to take this we're going to take that like i said they, it was they had the five ton which is what we called the trucks that rambo takes you know and drives into town they uh, they have a five ton they would not have one m60 in it that thing would be loaded to the to the gills now ironically having said that one of the tributes of trivia about this was that there was a five ton that was full of all weapons uh, all, all kinds of weapons uh for the for the shoot that they they got it got stolen Oh God! Somebody, somebody stole. <laughs> Shit. Um, if Joy you, Rider actually taking the weapons, stolen everything. They stole the weapons because, and what it did was it had all the weapons and stuff that they were using on set. Um, somebody stole the truck. Um, to go back to your, do would people feel how would they would feel about that? Just go back to that '70s show and how Red felt about, um, um, Bob. Bob, yeah, because he made fun of him being in the National Guard. It's not that people don't care about the National Guard. It's, it's you know, it just, it's, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's like it's, a senior, it's like this, it's like the varsity football player making fun of the JV, the junior varsity football player. You're still football players, mm-hmm. but I'm making fun of you because I'm more elite, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, but the National Guard, um, I'm actually staring at the National Guard uh, replica of the 24. Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon car. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're saying this, um, the National Guard, though, I, I mean, right now it's, you know, it's a pretty damn good scholarship program if you want yeah. to, if you want to f- for the United States. But the other thing is, is even though you're a National Guard, that doesn't mean you're not going to get called to active duty in the Army. Um, That's true. But 
Um, if they need you. It's rare. It's Yeah, when National Guard units get called to active duty, they don't typically get deployed out of country. They will get sent to places where they've had to pull mm-hmm. units here to send out of country. Hmm. Yeah, because somebody I knew went to Iraq, so... That, yeah. that happens. Yeah. It, that happens. So, anywho. All right, so um, moving on from National Guard. Although I want to ask about the, the, what did you call it? Five-ton? The truck? The five, yeah. We call them five-ton trucks, yeah. Could they really jump like that? Drive over a police car? and They're designed to be pretty versatile. Mm-hmm. I mean, would it drive over the truck? Probably not. It would probably blow the truck out of the way. Mm-hmm. I believe the reason that we called it a five-ton truck is because that's, that's the cargo capacity. It could carry five tons of gear. Right. Um, they do sit higher off the ground. They are designed to be able to drive over rough terrain so that they don't get stuck as easy. Mm-hmm. Would it jump a car like that? I'm going to say yes because we saw it do it. But I, you but know, that that's probably also for stunt purposes. They they may have manipulated that may, vehicle. May, most likely, right. yeah, m- most likely. I mean, that's probably why it was only carrying one gun because if it was stuffed to the gills, it probably wouldn't get the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those trucks are. I mean, those trucks are pretty massive. Uh, I've ridden in several of them. They they're mm-hmm. they're big. They're they're they're. I mean, they're built like tanks. They're built like tanks for a reason, so that if you have to run something over like that. I mean, in honesty, if they knew that he was coming down that road, they probably would have put spike traps down mm-hmm. instead of putting a car in the way. You know, because, I mean, that truck against a, a 1980s police car, that, that truck's going to win every time. Every time. Okay. I don't know if All they right. would have gotten that type of error, but it was fun to watch. All right, so moving on from the National Guard, this was still a very well-armed town. <laughs> yeah. The cops were very well-armed and not only did they have sniffing dogs, they had dogs that could hunt on sight. I don't because <laughs> that's what he said. Don't bring the hounds. You want to bring the Dobermans because we, we you know, it's going to rain and all that okay. stuff. Like a small town like that. That's pretty impressive. Just saying. Well, you prepare for what you have. So you live in the woods. So it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me that they have a helicopter available. Oh, yeah, because people get lost and, yeah. Yep, in the woods. It doesn't surprise me that they have hunting dogs because, mm-hmm. first of all, the, that town looked like, every, judging by the size of that gun store, mm. that they people like to hunt. I mean, it makes sense. Um, uh, it doesn't surprise me that they had M16s. The rifles that they carried were normal rifles. The pistols that they carried were normal pistols. I mean, it was uh, right. none, of that, none of that. A lot of that stuff that they had... Um, a lot of that stuff that he used uh, to blow up the shop, I think that that was something that they call stump out. They used to put it down in the middle of stumps. They used to drill holes and basically, basically it's just black powder mm-hmm. when he blew up the gun store. I, I didn't see anything ridiculous about the way the police were armed, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. I, I doesn't. I mean, you could have people go hunting or camping and get lost in the woods. You got to have, right. you know what I mean? Now, where we live, you don't really right. need hunting dogs, but... Well, the cop... The copter too was not did not belong to the police force. It looked like it was somebody that they had just correct. They had to pay right. Had to or, pay yeah right. So the fact that again the fact that the guy who was flying the cop took that uh, threat from him so cavalierly was you know because I would have been like we're going you know I'm, I'm getting you out of here because you are not safe to have in my helicopter. Yeah. Um, but anyway. well, Teasel had also threatened him with distru- obstruction of justice. Oh, okay. remember he said you tell him get that helicopter over, and he gives you one gives you one lick of trouble. You rest him on site for 
uh, obstruction of justice. Yeah, I mean, Teasel was nothing but a dirty cop. He he really mm-hmm. was. He really was a dirty cop. Right. Um, which I think that they had to portray that over the top because they needed you rooting for Rambo. You, you right, know what I mean? Right. They had to. Uh, that's why, to me, Galt was even more of a... Uh, one of the scripts originally had um, uh, everybody dying except Teasel, uh, with Galt being the actual villain. Hmm. So, you know, but, but uh, again... When you're taking two two good guys and putting them against each other, you know what I mean. Eventually, somebody's going to win. It's like it's like when you know Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker fight. So you you got to figure out how to root for somebody because they're both great guys. <laughs> <laughs> Just misunderstood. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have tell any me, questions? Tell me, you wouldn't act the same if you had both your legs and one of your arms cut off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'd be a little grumpy myself. Yeah. I don't. I don't really have any questions in this movie. Um. The only the only thing that I found funny was uh, that he cut a piece of that tarp to wear a bandana, a headband. You know what I mean? I don't know what oh. I don't know what purpose that served except to give him that look. Right, and the tarp he created for himself didn't really provide any protection per se. It didn't give him any warmth because it still had his arms were still exposed. It's better than nothing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it's better than nothing. Uh, that tarp was not a part of the script. They actually found it on site, and it was like everybody wanted wanted it because it was so cold. Mm-hmm. Um, he still has that tarp to this day. Oh, does he? Yeah. I I for a split second when he was running through this wherever it was, it was like an abandoned truck. It, that it, he it was looked going. like it looked like a like a abandoned lumber mill, which yeah. actually ties into another trivia thing. But go ahead. Um. But when he was looking through the truck, I'm like, oh, he's just going to cut the leather off the seats. That's pretty smart. <laughs> and then he went for the tarp. I think he went to the truck hoping it was it was drivable, is what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, this was filmed in British Columbia. And when it was uh, taken there to film, uh, a local lumber mill had just shut down. So they decided to allow all the locals to be the extras. And they paid them to help the economy out. Which was pretty cool. So that that's cool. Yeah. So that film didn't ruin Christmas. Thank you very much. <laughs> In the fictional town of Hope, yeah, Christmas was kind of ruined for some people. Okay. All right. Uh, you want to do favorite three? You want to do box uh, office? You could do box office because I have some interesting things I heard about this film. But I want you to do box office first. You may know. You may already usurp me on this, but who knows. That's all right. Um, okay, so 1982, uh, the number one movie at the box office that year was E.T. It made $314 million. Uh, number two was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Number three was Rocky Three. Um, on Golden Pond and Officer Gentleman, Porky's. This was the 13th biggest movie of 1982. It made $47 million domestically. It made another 60-something overseas. I think it made a, a combined... A uh, hundred and forty something million dollars, which isn't bad considering it had a fifteen million dollar budget. It was originally an eleven million dollar budget, but um, it actually ran long um, over for many reasons, uh, which actually pushed the filming of Rocky Three back. Um, it was like I said, it was number thirteen. Uh, came in just ahead of Firefox and Conan the Barbarian. So you know, an early Schwarzenegger muscle guys, Stallone. muscle guys. Yeah. See my butt. 
I'm a muscle guy. One, two, three, four, five, six movies made over $100 million that year, and Arthur just missed it. Uh, Star Trek Two came out that year. So there were some big movies. There were some big movies that year. Annie, uh, Chariots of Fire. But, I mean, $47 million on 15 is, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a pretty damn good, pretty damn good t- haul. That's kind of it. That's, that's kind of it. it. Okay. Um, in watching the interviews um, with the producers and the director and Stallone. The producers with Mo Brooks? <laughs> um, they said when they screened it for the distributors, they everyone, as soon as the film ended, they were clamoring for rides. They, 40, they had the, a f- 40 minutes. They only showed them 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it was, we want it now. They, I mean... The director basically said that there were some distributors from Japan literally waving a check in front of their face. So what they did with the distribution rights to this was, I don't know if this is the first time that it was done, but what they did is they separated out the distribution rights to leverage these offers. So they had separate distribution rights for theater, cable, and video. Yes. And... This kind of helped them like leverage all the offers because I mean the offers were pouring in. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was that's pretty interesting that that this film kind of had that history to it. Well, again, I mean, for in more ways than one, this movie ushered in the action movie era. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were obviously action movies back in the seventies and stuff like that, but they were nothing like what we had in the eighties. And this one was the first one that went over the top with some stuff and. You know, uh, you know. Originally, uh, when they first bought the rights to this, the first director wanted to do this with Steve McQueen. Can see that. That would have been a super, super different movie in 1972. Well, the um, this film, when they were trying to make this happen, because um, Mario Kassar and, and Andrew v- uh, Vajna um, approached the director and said, "Hey, we want you to direct something," and he said, hey, that there's this property that Warner Brothers owns that I think would be great to do. Um, Mario Casar uh, basically went, I think, to his father-in-law, who was part of a bank overseas, and basically said, can you help me out? Can you get me financing for this? And I think he got $18 million. That I've I've seen different. The initial budget was eleven million because of but because it went over, I saw where it said seventeen million. Mm-hmm. But on Box Office Mojo, they list the budget as fifteen million. So eighteen million would make sense. Mm-hmm. They wanted George Miller to direct this. George Miller had just come off of Road Warrior. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Which has kind of got that feel to it, but I mean a little more post apocalyptic. Got... But yeah, this. This, like I said, this this movie had such a weird feel to it because it was, you know, somewhere between merging a '70s film with an '80s film. Yeah, yeah, it so. was. Yeah, and action and suspense and drama and horror yeah. and yeah. even a little bit of comedy. <laughs> All right, so you want me to do my top three scenes first? Or you want to do yours? Oh, uh, you can do yours. Okay. Um, the, my number three was after he had taken the, um, it, it, I laugh every time, after he had stolen the five ton. He had hopped into the five ton. Mm-hmm. And he's like, um, don't look at me, look at the road. That's how accidents happen. You know, <laughs> he, he says, what's your name? Uh, he goes, okay, uh, hit the road. He goes, I got no beef with you. He's not <laughs> killing you. 
He's letting he's letting you go. I, I got no beef with you. That's why people make fun of the National Guard. God. No, I'm kidding. Um, the second my second one was when uh, Teasel was arresting him, and he pulls out the knife and he goes, "Oh, what's this? What do you use this for?" And he goes, "Hunting." What do you hunt with this? And he goes, "Name it." <laughs> Meaning, right there, we're letting you in on the fact that this guy's a badass. Uh, and my favorite, my favorite scene after thinking about it is the fingerprint scene when he just just kind of reaches down and he's, you know, what he looks like. He looks like when you're watching a movie and it's like a comedy, and they tell you um, oh, the scene, the scene in a Family Guy where uh, Peter gets adopted or his uh, the 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 news guy. Is dating his mom, and he's like, "Oh, when they're doing the Kramer versus yeah, Kramer yeah. ripoff, and, and yeah." He's, and he's got the ice cream because don't you eat it, don't you eat it, and he's just kind of standing there like nobody's watching me. He takes the ice cream. He's just like, it's like if I move real slow and nobody will see me. It just, it was, it's just funny. And then after Teasel takes it, grabs it, wads it up, and throws it away, he just kind of looks at him for a minute, and then you just see his hand real slow reach down and grab it again. I think that's awesome. <laughs> Okay, so mine are two woes and a wah. Um, I'll start with the wah. Why don't you do two wahs and we could go to wah <laughs> The wah is when, after they find out that Rambo is this highly decorated green beret, and then he's going off in his rant about getting him, and he says, I'll pin that Medal of Honor to his liver. Huh? Yeah, that's odd choice of words. Well, Bad again, there you go. Let's have no respect or account for the fact that this guy has actually gone above and beyond and 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 has never gotten in trouble in his life. He's never been arrested, and all of a sudden now you have a beef with him because because you treated him like shit. I again, I get that part, but it's, it's I'll just, pin it to his liver. Well, it's. it's <laughs> You know, it's just the ridiculousness of eighties dialogue odd. in movies. Yeah, it, oh, know, it's bad and, dialogue. And I think, I think also that that's them trying to vilify mm-hmm. Teasel even more. You just found out that this guy's a hero. I'm gonna pin it to his liver. Well, he's not an alcoholic. It's not gonna hurt. <laughs> um, the first woe is when he's running out of the uh, police station, and he just rips the guy off the dirt bike. They say motorcycle, but that's really a dirt oh, bike. Oh, it's a dirt bike, yeah. yeah. Um, that was like the first time I was like, oh, <laughs> what the? That's nuts. I, I don't know how fast that guy was going. I believe that that's possible, especially on a dirt bike. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, it, it's just as They're much. They're not that heavy, yeah. Yeah, it's, but to grab him, I mean, and and you don't really realize that Stallone is as jacked as he is until, until they get him to the police station, and then you're like, wow, that son of a bitch ripped. <laughs> so, to, you know, they... You know, okay. Yeah. I'm not sure why he had to ride on the sidewalk, but anyway. Hi, Kitty. Well, that's more um, dramatic. Maybe. Yeah, get out of the way. Get out of the yeah. way. All right. So the, the last will moment is um, we are in the, we're in the woods in the forest sequence. And he's standing uh, in front of one of the dep- deputies. And the deputy goes to shoot him. And he ducks out of the way and the deputy hits the other deputy um don't know how you managed to pull that off but that was definitely a whole shit moment so right kitty that was again uh let's go 80s action and be a little more ridiculous i mean you well that's why it was very much like this is very much like halloween because the stuff he's pulling off here is like redonkulous right like 
So, so some of the stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Fair enough. Okay. So those are my three. Okay. All right. Would you watch it again? <laughs> Every fucking time I ask Cue you to watch a pick movie, the music. Um, you, you you have to think about whether you'd watch it again. I do. I I I don't think so. But I guess if I'm probably gonna watch it today. There's. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there were for a group of people and they wanted to watch it. I'd I'd watch it, but I, this is not something I'm gonna pop in the old DVD no, why would player you? for myself. Why would you? Did you like it? Oh, Did, excuse me. Did you like it? Um, I mean, I'm going to have to get you to say yes one of these days. I, I've said yes to other no, films. Haven't. Yes, I have. What? I think uh, Unforgiven, What We Do in the Shadows, Tucker and Dale, something lies. else that I don't remember. Don't it's say lies. lies. It's lies. You're a liar. Pretty much. Liar face. Um, I didn't hate it. I didn't like it was diff it was it caught me by surprise because it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Okay. All right. Um it's it's an it's an odd film for me because of it it has a very serious message, but it definitely has those over the top eighties action sequences to it that are it's hard to enjoy it because you're like this poor guy, but then again he's made this decision it's just very strange which movie was better first blood or expendables 2 expendables 2 okay okay and you wouldn't have expendables 2 without first blood i recognize that point true no i'm just saying because you you were like you know Mm -hmm. you don't like you don't do the action thing so i just Mm -hmm. i just curious okay okay all right so i guess the only question we got left is what am i gonna watch oh god um Listen, if you don't like it, why are you making me watch it? No, no, no. I, I did. I've got a, I've got a lot, you know, rambling around up in my head here. So I'm, I'm very, I very. You know, you know what you should say. Hmm. Rambo: First Blood Part Two. No, <laughs> no, I don't think I will. Right, well, if your answer doesn't start with Ernest, okay, we're not. I'm, I'm, I'm out. Um. All right. I, I'll. I'll I'll give you an interesting one. Oh, okay. Jesus, all right. I'm going to have you choose between ha and he. Uh, f- what does that mean? It I don't The first two letters of the movies that I'm got in mind. Uh, ha could be Happy Gilmore. He could be He-Man, Masters of the Universe. Let's go with uh He-Man, Masters of the Universe. Oh no. You're going to regret this. Why? Hereditary. Oh, I don't want to watch that movie. It's not even fucking Halloween. All right, Hereditary it is. Do, do you really not want to watch Hereditary? No, I'll watch it. I mean, I know what happens, but we'll watch it because you, t- you watch all these movies thinking I'm never going to watch them. You tell me what happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, the- Hereditary's fine. Okay. I, the whole point is for me to watch stuff that I don't normally watch. Okay. I, I mean, right. I need an app anyway. <gasps> <gasps> what the... All right, go ahead. Pimp us out. All right. So um, thank you for listening to another episode of Honey, You Should Watch This. Um, We are um, on social media at Instagram and on Twitter um, at the handle at Honey Watch This. Uh, We also have a Facebook page. Um, We're trying to do more to kind of up our posts, but we're not quite there yet. But uh, if you follow us, we would appreciate it. 
Uh, we are available if you want to subscribe to us on most major podcasting platforms. And if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate it if you uh, rated and gave us a review. And uh, if you want to follow Greg, he is on... No. You don't want to follow me on Twitter. I'm kidding. Gbishop72 <laughs> at Twitter. And I am at uh, T5FF underscore Angel on Twitter. And on Instagram, uh, marketing underscore Angel. That's and it. that's the way things go. Okay. All right. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with a review on a really crappy horror movie. Horror movie. You know, summer's supposed I, to be a time of joy and reflection. I, Death and destruction. The other one is kind of a Heret- comedy, so if you... Heret- hereditary's fine. Okay. Hereditary's fine. Cool. I just... All I, right. Listen, I'm trying to I be can't, nice here. I'm trying I to be a good person. I can't make people think that I just do whatever you want me to do and I like it. I mean, even though the reviews always come out, I really liked it, and your reviews all come out and go, Ugh. That's not... <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not true. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Bye.